How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me, as always, is my good friend Frank Madden. And recording, uh, I, guess I was going to try to say recording at 11.25 p.m. tonight are we, um, but that doesn't really make a lot of sense. Um, so 11.25 here on Wednesday night. Uh, we are recording this episode of Locked on Bucks. Hopefully we'll get it out tomorrow morning for you guys and then You'll be all ready to go for draft day and everything that's going to happen then. But uh, this morning, I think all of us woke up to some news that I don't think is all that surprising, at least thinking about the way you and I both tweeted about it uh, last night. Uh, after seeing one, I mean, the the NBA get as small as it has in recent in recent years, and you just keep seeing the the center become less and less prevalent and less and less important. And then you see what happened last night with all the trades. Well, to me, a Greg Monroe opt-in seemed pretty likely, um, and that's exactly what we got. So he opts in for 17.88, is that right, uh, next yep. year? So he opts in for that, and I guess thoughts on Monroe opting in. Yeah, I think it's the logical thing for him to do, um, as we were describing, you know, in a world where, you know, Dwight Howard and Miles Plumley get traded around and as though they're, you know, seemingly both worthless, which we know Miles Plumley pretty much is. But, you know, even Dwight Howard, a guy who put up numbers last year, it's kind of like, eh, not worth it. Um, and, you know, I think that's just in some ways a microcosm of the market for big men right now. It's, you know, it, it, all these contracts that were signed a year ago i mean uh, tim mozgov right you're t- you're telling me i can't call him timo no nope. um Tim won't, Fay, won't said tim, tim so he's tim, tim to me it's fewer characters so good better for tweeting um tim mozgov uh you know was was you know they basically the, the lakers needed d'angelo russell to try to uh sweeten the deal to to dump his contract or you know or at least let's just say their return on on D'Angelo Russell was certainly not higher uh, because of attaching Mozgov's salary. And, um, you know, I think, again, it's kind of what we've been saying for a while. It, you know, Greg Monroe is not going to get that kind of money, $18 million, uh, on the open market. So really the question was, what could he get over multiple years? And, and, you know, was that discount enough in terms of getting security? And, you know, as we said also, Greg Greg's a guy who's bet on himself in the past. You know, he's one of the few guys who – turned down a huge extension as a rookie uh, or at least on his rookie deal um, in order to take a qualifying offer and and really play at some risk of injury in order to become an unrestricted free agent after which he of course signed with the Bucks. so um, you know in some ways he's doing it again right he, he bet on himself by signing a shorter deal with the Bucks, had the third year player option and obviously looking at the market you know you, you were tweeting that I think a couple years ago when you, Steve Von Horn, and I talked about it. You know, we we <laughs> thought that was you know, but really put the bucks on the clock very quickly, right? Yeah. Um, but as far as that contract goes, uh, and I think we assume that 
if if he opted in, it would probably mean that things went really poorly or he got hurt or something like that. And, you know, obviously we didn't necessarily expect him to become a, a super six man sub type guy. But uh, on the flip side, he was really good at that. And, you know, as, as much as maybe he, he helped for hope for a bigger role, um, he was obviously an important piece last year. And uh, again, I, I don't really foresee necessarily a, a long term role beyond this year. But, um, you know, I think for this year, especially with it being a little bit of a transition year with, you know, Thon Maker having to show that that he's ready to be a, a bigger minute guy. Um, and from a scoring standpoint, not having Jabari Parker for the first half of the season, at least. And obviously, we don't know how good he's going to be when he comes back, um, assuming he does this year. So um, so I think, you know, sort of Greg Monroe this year is kind of serves as maybe as a little bit of training wheels for the Bucks in terms of giving them that, you know, very you know, uh, that, that second unit anchor guy that they can rely on to, um, throw the ball to and get buckets and they don't have to necessarily have really nice offense and fluid play in order to get, uh, to get, to get, uh, some points out of Greg Monroe. And so he's a little bit, again, a, a little bit of a crutch, a little bit of training wheels maybe to, uh, to help them kind of get through another season while, uh, the rest of the roster continues to grow up. So, um, that that's I think the on the court piece. Um, do we want to talk maybe about sort of the the, the cap ramifications, or is there anything else you wanted to touch on with Greg uh, before we do that? I was just gonna say the the pod I was referring to was when the Bucks initially signed Greg. You, me, and Steve were still doing the Bruhu pod. Um, shout out Steve. Shout out all of you that were listening while we were the Bruhu pod. Uh, and I remember just vividly thinking like. Okay, the the Bucks did win this in free agency, but maybe they were also the only team that offered a two plus one. And uh, the idea behind that two plus one for Greg would obviously be, okay, I got this contract, and I'm going to go get another one. Um, and we said at the time, the only way that he actually opts in on this two plus one, and and it becomes a three year deal, is if something goes terribly wrong uh if he's (laughs) if he's not very good um if the fit isn't good if something with the coaching staff happens like there would have to be something where we would say uh okay everything went wrong and this is the only way that he can get this money and i don't know that anything went terribly wrong now if year two of greg monroe went like year one did okay that might make a little bit more sense. Things did not go well in year one, and maybe two years of that would have explained it. But uh, as I've said a number of times, I I thought Greg was great in that role this year, Uh, and he did a really nice job for this team, and he he was kind of uh, the enforcer for this team, and he was just generally a guy that worked in Milwaukee. And uh, it it, again, it was in a more limited role than I think we ever would have foreseen during this contract to play only like, what, 23 minutes a game. So it it was it was strange to see it. But again, it speaks greater to the larger context of the league than to anything really Greg Monroe did because this year, like that was Greg Monroe. Greg Monroe played the best basketball of his life this past season. Um, And again, only in a 23 minute case every every single uh game but it's just strange to think that he could play the best basketball of his life and still opt in and he had to because i don't know what the market is for a big this year it it, would it even be three for 36 like could he get that Uh, originally i was thinking three for 45 but now 
three for 36. I don't even, now I'm starting to question if we could get that. Like, it, it's just kind of crazy to think uh, how quickly and drastically we've seen the NBA change in this regard. Yeah, I think the mid-level would have been probably the floor for him uh, at just over $8 million. Uh, but I think the interesting thing is, you know, I don't foresee this trend reversing necessarily. And, uh, you know, add one more year to this Greg Monroe, even if he plays, you know, about as well as he did this year, uh, he'll be a year older next year if he does stick stick around for the full season with the Bucks and then hit free agency. I don't know. I mean, I previously I mean, I talked about how, well, you really probably don't want to sign Greg Monroe long term, especially if you believe in Jabari Parker and you want to pay him a ton of money because they're just, you know, again, they're just how many salary slots are there for uh, for bench guys of, of that magnitude. And again, you know, part of it is the Bucks kind of hemming themselves in a little bit here with with John Henson, Toledovich and, and Del Vadova signed for around 30 million dollars per year collectively over the next couple of years. But um, but who knows? Right. I mean, if if again, if he's a, you know, eight or nine million dollar a year guy in, in a year. Um, then, then maybe you could keep them, you know, longer term. Who, who knows, right? I think, um, you know, probably the, the only real downside because, and we were tweeting with Steve about this. I think the only downside, sort of, on the court is just, you know, if you wanted to see Thon be like the guy in crunch time as far as center minutes go. Obviously, Greg presumably will still be getting some of those minutes. I mean, he was really, I think, arguably, if I remember the stats correctly, I mean, probably the Bucks' best clutch scorer. I mean, his his scoring numbers in fourth quarters and in clutch situations were tremendous, have been the last couple of years. Um, he's really a weapon there. And certainly, um, you know, I, I would like to see the Bucks uh, offensive game plan maybe change a little bit late in games. Um, you know, they were they were awful uh, from a clutch standpoint last season. Uh, but certainly you can't blame that on on uh, on Greg Monroe. And, um, you know, we'll see. I mean, I think you could split the minutes right down the middle, uh, you know, 24 for Thon, 24 for Greg. Um, I, I think that would be great, you know, for for sort of a, a second year for Thon. Um, I think, you know, as an energy guy, I, I still think I like him. You know, I, I don't think we need to rush Thon into 30 to 33 minutes per game or something like that. I don't know how well, um, you know, he can hold up or even in games. I don't know how much, you know, his his energetic style might might degrade, let's say, if you try to stretch him out to, to bigger minutes. So um, I don't think there should be necessarily a rush with Thon, but certainly trying to get him over 20 minutes a game this year would, would be a positive thing. And, um, you know, we'll see how things go. And, you know, some people say, well, why, why can't you just play Thon at power forward? You know, again, first off, Giannis effectively is your foreman. I know he handles the ball a lot, but defensively, he's one of the best certainly power forwards in, in basketball. Um, I think he's better in that role than, than as a small forward defensively. And, you know, again, Thon, uh, as a four man, you just kind of lose a lot of what differentiates him, you know, in terms of his being able to move, um, in one, five pick and rolls. Sure. He can move in one, four pick and rolls too. Um, but offensively as well, I don't think his skill level, I think it, it hurts your offense when, um, you've got a guy like Thon who at this point is, you know, again, he can't handle the ball pass at, you know, a high level, um, I think it hurts to have him on the court with another kind of traditional big man. Um, so I'll, I'll we'll, go stronger we'll, than you, Frank. I don't ever okay. want to see it. Like I don't, I don't want to see him at the four. I have no desire to see him at the four. All of the stuff that makes him cool is not cool if he's at the four. Like, it, it's just not. Like that's what you expect out of a four man. You expect to be able to shoot. You be. You expect to be able to switch on other people and defend and do cool stuff like that. That is what makes him valuable is being at the five. So. Uh, 
I don't I don't care to see Thon at the four at any point unless it's in some variation where technically Giannis is the center. Like <laughs> that's the only time I want to see him play the four. Like two big lineups I, I don't like in general, um, but a putting Thon in that spot like no and I think that was one of the things that both you and I were kind of pleasantly surprised by this season was that kid almost exclusively played Thon at the five and I think both of us thought maybe in this first year as he's trying to get used to the strength necessary for the league as he's trying to get used to the league in general like okay maybe put him out there on the floor with someone else uh, with another big where he's not taking the same beating he's able to uh, maybe not have to do as much physical work on defense and that wasn't the case and I'm I was glad for it I was excited that that was the position they thought he should be playing and they played him in that spot from the moment the the season started and when he started to get playing time so I I would go much stronger than you I have absolutely no interest in seeing Thon ever play the four okay that's fine with me um so I think the interesting thing with with Greg obviously when we talked about how Greg opting in you know again the Bucks with Greg opting out would not have magically had an $18 million salary slot that they could fill in free agency. Um, they have enough other dollars out there that they would have been well over the cap. And and now they are. Now they are in that situation. So if you look at where the salary cap is heading, there are two things here. One, Greg Monroe is now will be on the books and you can mark him down. And, you know, if you look at the Bucks uh, cap sheet, you know, you go active players who are guaranteed next year. Uh, you're at about $99 million for 10 players. You add in uh, Larry Sanders' dead salary and the first rounders, uh, a little over $2 million. That's about $4 million between those two salary slots. Um, that takes you to nearly $103 million. And oh, by the way, we learned tonight that the league is now telling teams that its salary cap projection is actually slightly lower than it was previously. Um, you know, that can be for any number of reasons. It sounds like the shorter playoffs, fewer playoff games, meaning fewer revenues for the league, or um, that that was one of the contributing factors to that. So the cap now projected to go from um, not $101 million next year as previously projected, but perhaps uh, only $99 million. And the luxury tax, which at this point is more important for the Bucks with, with Monroe opting in, uh, is projected to slide from $121 million to $119 million. So what is the upshot of all that? Um, well, if I look at my spreadsheet again, you've got about $103 million committed to the guys I mentioned, basically the active roster plus the draft pick plus that Larry Sanders dead stretch money. That doesn't include Gary Payton, the second. He's got a non-guaranteed deal for $1.3 million. Spencer Hawes has the next big, big decision, June 26th. He has to decide if he's opting into the final year of his $6 million uh, salary. Um, obviously, if he opts out, that would be a great thing for the Bucks, especially because you just found out that Greg Monroe is coming back. You really don't need Spencer Hawes. Um, but if Spencer Hawes does come back, uh, if you include uh, Gary Payton uh, and perhaps most importantly, Tony Snell uh, has a cap hold of almost six million dollars. That's basically the money that has to sit on the Bucks cap sheet. Um while they uh, figure out what they're going to do with him, if he's going to re-sign uh, as a restricted free agent. Um, so you factor those things in, you're at around $116 million. But to be honest, I mean, okay, they're way over the cap. So the Tony Snell cap hold isn't as important as what Tony Snell actually were to sign for. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, you know, if, if Tony Snell signs for, um, you know, tack on an additional $5 million to take him to around $11 million per year, um, you know, you'd be up at close to $121 million on your total cap. And that's not including uh, the Bucks' second round pick. 
you could say, well, just wave Gary Payton, sign your second round pick. Your second round pick probably will make four to five hundred thousand dollars less than what Payton's going to make next year, so you make back a little money that way. Um, but you know, you still project to be a little over the tax with, I guess, fourteen guys. Um, so what you know is is that the end of the world? Um, you know, are the Bucks not going to resign Tony Snell to you know a number? in that ballpark because because they're projecting to be over the cap you know i would say no don't don't freak out at this point um because there are a number of things the bucks could do for one they could if if spencer hosber to opt in they could stretch him right which would stretch his six million dollars over three years rather than just the one year next year so basically you'd reduce your cap hit by four million dollars next year that would be a real easy way to to get some more breathing room and probably would be enough to to keep you safe um and then there are other things you obviously Peyton releasing him, um, and then obviously trades, right? And and I think we've talked a lot about John Henson, Tolodovich, and Del Vadova, and you know, do you look to try to move one of those guys? The, the downside is all this degradation in value of centers also obviously applies to John Henson to a large extent, and the cap going down also means that you know John Henson's salary is a little bit worse than it was yesterday when we thought the cap was going to be higher. So, um, and it's not to say that you're going to necessarily find a team to take his salary uh, and not send any back, but obviously there's there's lots of things you can do as far as trying to send a little you know take back less salary than you send out. Um, different things you might do right um so in any case there are a lot of things that can happen and bear in mind as well the luxury tax is is based on where teams are at the end of a season not where they are at the beginning of a season so the bucks could certainly go into this coming season a little bit over the luxury tax and then make some moves during the season to move back under the luxury tax and also good thing good time to mention probably that the luxury tax is not just about our owners willing to pay for it. There are also limitations. You know, your your mid-level exception goes down uh, if you if you are over the tax. You know, and obviously there are other financial aspects of of it that would make you not want to be um, over the tax. So, if you're barely over the tax, it, it, you're not being cheap. If you try to make some moves to try to get under it, it's a smart thing to do. Um, and you know, again, I imagine the Bucks will find a way to to do that. I I do still expect Tony Snell to resign. Um, but yeah, things got a little bit more interesting, and that's just what happens when you have a bunch of you know non-starters making ten plus million dollars a year. Yeah, and as you try to think about it all, the first thing that to me that's most important is like this does not jeopardize Tony Snell. I don't think in any way. Like uh, the fact that it could bring him close or potentially bring bring him over, uh, potentially bring down their offer that because maybe they can't go as high to match as they think like i don't think that has any effect like there there's time there is a whole off season left to go yet where they can get back under um that they can do make other moves and make that happen so um i would say that's the first thing as a fan to think about like it's not going to jeopardize tony snell um so that that should be fine and again it'll be interesting to see what snell's number is uh i I don't know if a day goes by that i don't get another guess at tony snell's number sent to me whether whether from some other podcast from uh something else written whatever may be um again i don't think it's alan crab money um but i think probably 14 15 is the ceiling and maybe 10 is the floor um so we'll see at, at what end the bucks find themselves in uh so so that'll be important and then also um i, I guess as i i look at it 
going into this offseason before the last 48, 72 hours, I felt good that I thought there was a good chance. And again, I was even in the minority at, at that point, but I thought there was a good chance that the Bucks could just move Henson for a second rounder. That, okay, just just get him out and that'll be fine. I do not feel that confident anymore. I, do, I think they would have to take something back um, in that, um, and that's that's not ideal. Um, and maybe they have to. I don't. I can't imagine the Bucks give up a pick because that's a way for them to keep uh, the payroll down. Um, so maybe that just means you're switching Henson's. What is he? Ten next year. Henson's ten for someone else's six, and it's probably not as. Uh, again, I don't think either of those contracts are, are going to be a player that's particularly interesting or uh, particularly coveted. But maybe you just switch contracts and help cut that down uh, a little bit w- with doing that. So um, it's interesting uh, the cap going down, and I think it. I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think how it's going to affect everything i guess do you have any thoughts on league-wide how that might maybe change the way people view things or, or do things well it's certainly you know two million dollars that you slash off of the the cap space that every team was was expecting to have now you know for teams you know, there is the flip side of max max contracts are also tied to the cap level so um again you know if uh if, if you're a, a guy coming off a a rookie contract, you know, and you, you have a 25% of the cap max. Well, you know, your, your, uh, your max deal also just went down, you know, by, by that amount. So I guess by $500,000, right. By 2 million times 25%. So, um, you know, there is some proportional stuff in there that kind of offsets a little bit. Um, but, but I would agree. I mean, I, I think, especially with a guy like Snell, I think this is actually helpful because, you know, if you're, if you're trying to retain him, cause obviously the bucks, while they are, while they do get hit by the, you know, the tax concern issue, um, again, other teams are going to have a couple million dollars less to to offer, uh, and and that could be pretty pretty relevant for you know a guy like Snell who is not going to be the first guy that that any team goes after. So, um, so I, I'm I'm increasingly confident that the Bucks will retain Tony Snell. I would agree. I would be maybe a little more concerned that that what it would take to to ship out John Henson. I mean, you're you're not going to trade him. Like, I think we should be clear, like the idea, you know, you're not really going to be able to trade him on draft night because um, I just I don't know. I just don't see that happening. I think teams are going to want to, you know, again, the idea that because a couple of reasons. First off, teams right now until July 1st, it's still the, the old cap year, basically. So most teams are over the cap. And so teams don't really have the wherewithal to absorb the salary. Now, a lot of times you'll see deals made that are basically dependent on well when july 1st hits then we'll complete the trade right because then the cap year will start over and blah 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 so officially it doesn't happen until then but you know again does our team are are there many teams out there that are going to want to use scarce cap dollars to acquire john henson i don't know that feels more like something you do when other things kind of fall through so yeah um, i think that makes a lot of sense like that i don't see that would not be a move especially because this time of year like everyone's everyone's eyes are just so big and everyone is so hopeful like this could be the summer that we change everything that we we are, we're gonna have this money and we're gonna make this great offer and this player is gonna come in and totally change our change our franchise and then one team ends up 
getting that and probably overpaying for it because that's what you do for free agents. And then the other teams that were in the kind of in the balance for that try to figure out what's next. How do how do we try to get someone? How do we fill our roster? What do we do next? And then that would that would be the time where I feel like a trade would happen. And, and I think the other thing too is, you know, Greg Monroe by opting in is now tradable. So the the other interesting thing with Greg Monroe and, and again, I don't think Greg Monroe suddenly has a lot of value as a standalone asset. I mean we've been talking what? the last are you are you serious the Bucks have been trying to trade him for two <laughs> yeah, years and we've now been, we've been talking about like eight for 18 months at least we've been talking about how Greg Monroe doesn't really have much standalone value um but I think the interesting thing is if you try to and, and obviously with a lot of these rumors about you know different players being available and you know again I, I don't foresee the Bucks. unfortunately I don't foresee the Bucks swinging a deal for Chris Epps Porzingis or you know some other exciting move like that um but I think having a guy like Monroe on your books who is productive and has an expiring big contract, you know, with whenever there is less cap room, expiring contracts become more useful because you have teams, you know, like a team like the Lakers, uh, any team that's like positioning themselves for next year's offseason and trying to mm-hmm. have cap space. You know, they could certainly look at the Bucks and say, well, you know, I'm sure... I'm sure that that uh, that they would look at the Bucks and say, "Oh, if you're willing to take, you know, Luol Deng's salary <laughs> and swap it for Greg Monroe, like we'd give you some stuff to do that, right?" Now, yeah. I don't know what the I don't know what the Lakers would realistically offer that you would actually want to take <laughs> because you're not you're not getting the second overall pick to do that, yeah. and um, Luol Deng's contract is plenty ugly, and you know I think they have what some like a late uh, uh, what a couple late uh, late first round picks at this point. I don't think 27 and 28 are worth that much to, to eat whatever 50 some million dollars that, that they owe Luol Deng. But, um, but in any case, it, it does give you an interesting piece there. And it's interesting because a year ago, it, it's kind of funny because with, with Monroe having that player option, I think that uncertainty probably hurt his value as well. Because, you know, if you liked Greg Monroe, you could say, well, you know, last year he, he effectively might be just an expiring. So like, why would we want to give up any value for a guy who's just like a rental and might be gone in, you know, half a season later? On the flip side, if you, you know, were trying to do something like we're, we're describing where you want, maybe you wanted the guy on on a short term deal because you wanted expiring salary. Well, what if he opts in? Then you're stuck with this 18 million dollar, you know, number on your books. And if you were trying to get cap space, you know, that's a bad thing. So I think the the upside now is that. Greg Monroe is predictable. We know what he will cost for the next year, and then we know that he will be a free agent thereafter. And um, so, again, uh, not to say that that conveys upon him some massive value as a as a as a trade piece, um, but I think there you know certainly could be situations where he could be part of a package, especially if Bucks you know moved a younger piece for uh, some pieces that were more you know brought in more dollars uh, in terms of salary. You know, he would be an obvious guy to use to to try to match salaries and, um, you know, as well, just kind of getting back to the the tax stuff and and trying to manage that. Um, you know, again, when you especially when you're talking about these really big salaries, um, you know, if you ship Greg Monroe out and you take back, you know, another expiring contract for a guy who's maybe slightly less useful this year, um, you could certainly easily trim your tax bill by millions of dollars, right? Just because of the differentials um, that the that the trade rules allow. So. Um, so in any case, I think that, you know, again, Monroe opting in, you know, is, is that is Greg Monroe part of this team's long term core? I don't think so. Uh, does he help the Bucks be a better basketball team next year? Certainly, if last year is any indication, you would say yes. 
Uh, and on top of that, you know, again, there there is certainly a bit it's a bit hairier in terms of the cap situation with him around. But, um, you know, again, I, I don't think it's I think we can criticize certainly moves the Bucks have made to, to basically get guys who haven't really pr- contributed, especially off the bench. Um, but by the same token, you know, if you sort of play it as it lies, I don't think the Bucks are, you know, in this like horrible situation where they, you know, are not going to be able to keep Tony Snell or, you know, they're going to have to attach assets to uh, John Henson's deal to try to move him. Right. I think we're we're still in a position where the Bucks have some ability to, to control their own destiny when it comes to that kind of stuff. So um, and we'll see. I guess the other thing I was thinking about, too, is from the standpoint of whether or not this team is better this upcoming year as opposed to last year well greg monroe opting in probably a move that helps them out quite a bit like they we we've talked again and again and again about how capped out they are but it even if you remove that eight that 18 million well if snell signs for the numbers we're talking about bucks are still over the cap like that that part of it is not changing so uh, they only have the exceptions like that that I, I guess for me that that was kind of the big thing is that however you feel about Greg Monroe there was there was one way that the Bucks were going to be able to maintain the status quo let's say and maybe that's a good thing maybe that's a bad thing I don't know um, but for them to maintain kind of where they were it was going to be an opt-in from Greg Monroe, and they were going to go over the cap and be very close to the tax line. Um, so I, I think that's that's one of the things I thought about today was, okay, this team can still kind of do something similar to what they did this year. And obviously you hope that maybe switching Middleton and Jabari's roles respectively, the, who's going to play the 55, uh, or and hopefully in Middleton's case, 82, um, and who's going to play just the 25. Hopefully you you find some things with this team and maybe you draft a rookie that helps out, Thon gets better and all those things, and then you have a better team than you did last year. Do we want to talk at all about draft stuff here? Um, I, I will I say think, this, Frank. I could not be happier that the Monroe news happened and then the Cap news just happened because I, I, I'm not going to say I'm exhausted of all of my draft takes. Like I think I still have some more in there, but I don't know if there's anything all that interesting about this draft for me at this point. Uh, like I mentioned last night, I think that 12 is pretty solid. The only movement we're kind of seeing, but again – it all depends what mocks you look at, but like the Draft Express mock has Frank Nilakina down to 15 now. Um, but I don't know. Like I, I think I've kind of uh, I've kind of just accepted the fact that there's going to be bigs in the Bucks area, and I'm not all that excited about any of those bigs. We've been talking about it for a while, um, and I'm just not. Maybe the only thing that could mix that up a little bit is Ananobi but the Bucks didn't work him out I don't know how they feel about his medicals I I don't know anything uh with Ananobi and as as I kind of look at things uh, it's gonna probably be a big and that doesn't really excite me I I, I, I'm really looking forward to the look on Jason Kidd's face when uh they pick a big man uh, after Thon has has obviously come into his own you know what I has just opted in me asking Jason about bigs and him making a sarcastic comment about how next game they're going to trot out five centers. That's 
Yeah. That's what I'm really looking forward to, Frank. <laughs> yeah. And if Haas were to opt in on June 26th, uh, that would be just, just awesome um to to have what five centers uh on the roster um yeah i mean that that is uh that is one of john horse uh obvious jobs right now is to uh you know get the bucks back into a rational number of centers on their roster baby chop Chop down down some some trees trees. um they they did the hardest part getting rid of uh, miles Plumley's contract although apparently that's that's maybe not as hard as we thought it would be um (laughs) So I think it'll be interesting to see what kind of happens next. And, you know, I mean, I guess you could say if if um, if Hawes were to opt out or, you know, if you just stretched him to to uh, to free up some more cap room uh, or free up some more, you know, tax, I guess, tax room, if you want to call it that. Um, I, I don't know. It's kind of interesting. I mean, the one thing I wondered when they when they extended Henson, I believe that was after they signed Monroe. And at the time, I kind of wondered if that might have been partly with an eye on on this summer and Monroe potentially opting out and thinking, oh, okay, well, then Henson's just becomes our, replaces Greg Monroe. And mm-hmm. um, obviously, you know, things change very quickly. I mean, you, you mentioned the other night, you know, three years is an eternity in the NBA, you know, uh, a few years ago. It was not that long ago, not that long ago that, you know, Larry Sanders was the face of this franchise. What would have that been, 2013 or something like that? Yeah. Um, so life comes at you fast in the Real NBA. Real fast. And uh, we'll see we'll see how how quickly it comes for for the Bucks center crop. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think it'll be interesting to see. I mean, you know, again, you kind of try to do the try to do the math and look at again the guys that the Bucks have worked out, the guys that the Bucks expect to have in their range. Um, and what about what about this, know, Frank? Uh, we've never talked second rounders. I don't think. Do, do we have to talk second rounders? Maybe we can get our guy Jawan Evans in the second round. Yeah. What, he, what, do you, what do you? He's down to 41 in DX's mocks. Uh, Keep so, falling, Jawan. <laughs> Keep falling. Um, I don't actually want to talk, talk. Like, is there anyone <laughs> you like at 48? Or Prey um, is going to be there at 48? Um, no. I mean, every year there are like a bunch of guys that I find interesting. I mean, I think if I look at you know, second round guys. I think there, there are a bunch of like point guards in the second round that are kind of interesting. I mean, you know, you, Nigel Williams, Goss, um, Frank Mason's been mentioned. Uh, Monte Morris is a guy that's interesting. Monte Morris had like 1.3. He, he had like a five to one assist, assist to turnover ratio. In insane. Um, I don't know. At this time of year, I can talk myself in any number of guys. I mean, <laughs> Josh Hart, we talked about with Cole's Wicker being a guy that that we liked and who Cole, Cole liked as well. Um, DX has him mocked at 40 right now. I, I feel like he'll be gone by the time the Bucks pick, but but he definitely feels like the kind of guy that that would be a nice pick. Um, Jonah Bolden is an interesting guy that that it seems like he's been maybe rising a little bit. DX still has him, uh, I think, at 37. Um, but a really interesting guy who, who kind of didn't really do much in one year. I think it was UCLA went to Europe to play. And uh, has developed into a really interesting kind of power forward um, prospect um, from playing in Europe. I think he's Australian um, originally, so he's he's kind of an interesting guy too. Um, I don't know who who am I missing? Who else do you, do you like in the second round? Um, I'm so depressed that Wesley Owundu has risen to the spot that he has. Uh, he's at like 36 now in DX's uh, mock, and I kind of figured he would do that just because he's super intriguing to me. Um, Sterling Brown has been someone I've yep. seen a number of smart people talk about. I think I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, Cole mentioned him the night we talked to him. Um, and I think I saw Adam Maris talking about him today. Um, so there, 
there's a lot of smart people that like him. Um, and then I guess all the point guards. Uh, to me, at this point, it almost seems like that'll be where the Bucks find their point guard. Um, and again, I don't know if that's really finding their point guard, but that might be where the Bucks take their point guard. That I don't know how much sense it would make to draft a a point guard and reach at 17 like we have in mocks um, for our guy, John Ep- or my guy, John Evans. Um, so I guess we'll kind of see, but yeah, I'm thinking probably uh, a guard or a wing in the second and I a uh, big in the first. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. I, I mean, again, the, just the options in the first round just, just seem to be all pretty big. Um, so, so I don't know any, um, yeah, any other predictions? So, so you think they're going to go big? I think it'll be interesting to see with, with injuries, you know, there's always, it's always funny how red medical red flags don't leak out until like hours <laughs> before the draft. Um, and then I don't know if that's purely teams trying to spook other teams or what it is, but a lot of times guys do slip legitimately. So, um, so it'll be interesting to see guys like OG Ananobi, um, even Ike Anabogu or Ike Anabogu, um, you know, they, they've, Especially Ananobi has seemingly slipped a little bit in mock drafts of late, and you kind of wonder how much of that might be tied do you to, think there's uh, a to chance, that. Need. Do you think there's a chance Zach Collins falls? I'm just trying to well, look, look I, at where where in this draft I could see people kind of moving. And I just feel like Fultz, Ball, Tatum, Jackson, Fox, like those guys feel comfortable to me in that top five range. Jonathan Isaac, I don't really see going – uh, I don't think there's any way he gets past the Wolves. And then maybe Markinen slips a little bit. But, again, I don't know if I see that. Malik Monk I don't think is going below eight. Dennis Smith, I know there's some concerns uh, with his attitude. I know I was listening to Mike Schmitz on the Dunk Down pod talking about him and kind of how a number of scouts have not liked the way that he acted at NC State. But, well, he was at NC State. Um so I, I don't know. I'm just trying to think, one, obviously there's trades and stuff that might move the draft, and maybe that's what shakes up this draft this year. But normally, like you said, there's there's guys that fall, and I, I'm just struggling to peg who those guys will be. Yeah, I mean, well, I think you gave me a bunch of options yesterday, and I picked Collins out of those. Um, but I don't think he falls as far as the Bucks. You know, I think, like, yeah. there's – who, who could actually follow the Bucks? Um, and and I don't think Zach Collins will be that guy. If he was, that would actually that would be a big guy. I would be totally fine rolling the dice on him. It's definitely intriguing to see Neil Akina slipping to 15 in uh, in in the latest DX mock, um, especially because it seemed like there's been increased buzz around uh, around him potentially going to Dallas. It's how, I think I read that his one of his French coaches actually was hired by the Mavericks to be their and their summer league coaching hmm. staff. Um, which is kind of a random thing to be a coincidence. Um, yeah. Granted, granted, I mean, you could always just wait until after the draft to do something <laughs> like that. But, um, but yeah, I, I think he's he's kind of maybe the guy that you know, if he slips into that late lottery, you know, I'm sure a lot of us as fans will kind of get restless and and start thinking, oh, trade up! Uh. You, only, you only need to trade up three or four spots. Do it. Um, but but again, and I, and I don't know what it would take at that point, right? I mean, I would you say know, you know tra- you'd probably just throw in John Henson, and that that would get nod. <laughs> I'm playing, I'm playing, I'm playing. That's a joke. John Henson does not have value. Sorry. Yeah. But I mean, Rashad Vaughn could get you up at least two or three. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, he could. 
I mean, Rashad Vaughn is really the the American Frank Nilakino, right? That, that's how the Bucks should be marketing him. I think. Yeah. But, no, that's that would um, be a good idea. I like it. You know. So, so I don't know. I mean, I I feel like, <laughs> why do I feel like it's gonna be just like Jared Allen or somebody, and and I'd, we'll all just be like, great, John Henson too, and and Jared Allen. Like, I, I don't really particularly dislike Jared Allen, but agreed. it's just kind of. What is Jarrett Allen on this team? I mean, I, I don't know. Like, he's the 18th center on the team, you know. And, and again, uh, I, you don't want to draft for for need. Um, but, uh, man, it would be nice if the Bucks could just for once clear that damn center logjam and allow me to be less um, less bored by, by a potential <laughs> big man pick. So, I guess um, we'll Yeah, Jarrett Allen has been the guy. I was on two other podcasts yesterday, and they asked me who I thought. And... He just seems like the guy I kind of end up falling onto. Um, and it, I guess Patton is out for me because uh, the Bucks didn't work him out. And I don't know. Jared Allen just seems to make sense to me. But maybe we're totally off. Um, I was I was a guy thinking Deontay Davis was going to go to the Bucks at 10 last year. And that didn't go that way. Um, so it, it could go any way. Um, any other draft thoughts or do you want to finish this off? One other guy that I'm curious where he goes is, is Laurie Markkinen. I think when we talk about guys who might slip, um, Markkinen's so interesting because he is such a kind of one skill guy. You know, I mean, he's seven feet tall and that skill, Oof. and yeah, and it's a great skill to have, right? I mean, he he, you know, I know people have talked about whether he might immediately be the best shooting seven footer in the NBA when he comes out. You know, yeah, maybe with the, with the exception of Dirk, but um, but you know, he's a guy who who shot. I mean, he wasn't just like a spot up shooter last year. I mean, he shot off the, you know, off the catch. They could run him off screens. I mean, he's a he's a tremendous, uh, you know, shooter from from a skill standpoint. But, um, you know, again, it's like, okay, well, so, uh, I mean, Channing Fry didn't play in the finals, even though he's a big guy with, yep. in theory, the most valuable, unique skill a big guy can have. And so I, I don't know. I, I think Laurie Markin is a really interesting guy. I mean, DX has him going to the Wolves right now at number seven. Um, but it's... <laughs> I just imagined him uh, getting an ice command from Tibbs, and oh my God, did I laugh. Not uh, going well. No, I, I, I'm not imagining that well, going we, well. Well, we need him to go to uh, New York to just further fuel the, the Chris Depps out uh, <laughs> rumors, which Phil Jackson did nothing to, to damp to dampen tonight which i would is say he did the flurry of, i would say he did the exact yeah. opposite oh is yeah. that a fire oh do you need some lighter fluid yeah i got some here we go do you do you what, what do you think are the are the odds that chris Stapps actually gets traded um let's say tomorrow because it sounds like they would really want a top five pick to to use in this draft as part of a package for him so get, give me your percentage likelihood that chris asperzingas is traded between now and and draft night 65 percent that high yep wow i just i i think it i don't know like i just don't trust phil at all i think yeah. he, he's just out of his mind and the way he talks about it the way he went through it the way he handled all of this tonight like and then also the teams that are there like you could go like the Celtics legitimately have been trying to get a star and why you wouldn't want your star to be a young star that happens to be a unicorn. I don't know. Um, so I feel like you can trade 
three and some of the good players that they have. Uh, the Suns have some interesting young guys. Like if you do Devin Booker in four, like is that better for you as the Suns? Um, so I, I don't know. I, I, I just feel like there's a, someone in the top five uh, that's eventually going to just pull the trigger and go get Chris Stapps. Yeah, I mean, I think if you're the Celtics uh, now, if if not now, um, you know. And especially it, if you again, think you have a chance at Gordon Hayward, like make the trade and then go sign Gordon Hayward, and then all of a sudden your team is awesome, right? Yeah, yeah, 100%. I, I mean, I think you, you got so many assets. Um, and and that's why, I, I mean, I've tweeted a little bit, like people have asked, well, what would you give up for, for Chris Stapps? Um, and I, I don't know, like I... Thon. Yeah, Thon, because obviously they're they're sort of redundant on the same Correct. team to some extent. Um, so Thon, um, seventeen, seventeen, and then I was thinking like Jabari, just because again, does Phil like Jabari Parker? I don't know, but maybe he's too close to Carmelo Anthony. But um, but That's you know not that enough, would be the. Right? Well, I mean, I don't think it is compared to what some of these other teams could probably offer, right? Um, I mean, the other interesting thing is, like, I think an interesting wrinkle, again, getting back to what you were talking earlier, um, with the Knicks, the Knicks presumably would want to shed some of their bad salary, you know, and, and again, like, does anyone want to touch Joakim Noah's contract? I mean, he's owed, what, like, 51, 52 million over the next three years? I mean, just an insane amount of money. Um, you know, given where the Bucks are contractually, I don't know if they're really in a position to to rent out their, their cap space. Um, but... So if you throw you know, in it's Greg, a, it's a, like Thon, well that, Greg, yeah. like, I don't know. I mean, that, that's that's the interesting question, right? If you said, I'm going to give you Thon Maker, Greg Monroe, and 17 or something like that for um, Chris Stapps and... We'll take on Noah. And and we'll take on Joakim Noah. Um, you know, I haven't run all the, the cap numbers on that. Um, certainly, you know, and part of the reason also why I'd, tra- wanted, why I'd be willing to trade Jabari in that scenario is just because like you're not going to pay both Jabari and Chris Stapps massive. I mean, you're going to have to max Chris Stapps. Um, and so what are you even going to pay Jabari at that point? But, um, and you would, and that would probably be your selling point as far as like, if they're looking for some star power, like you can say like, Oh, you still have a lottery ticket here. Like this guy was a number two pick. He scored 20 points per game last year. Like you could, that would be like one of your selling points. Right. But I think the, I mean, the upside is if, if you do get in a situation where you can acquire a Chris Epps Porzingis and if it takes, you know, paying the luxury tax because you're, you had to eat Joakim Noah's contract. Well, I think that's a scenario, you know, paying the luxury tax for this current iteration of the bucks, probably not something that I would be thrilled about if I'm an owner of a team. Yeah. If I can get Chris Stapps to pair with, let's say, you know, Giannis and Chris Middleton. Cause that's the other thing too. I don't want to give up Chris Middleton in a deal to be honest, just because I, I just think you could be you could be really good, really fast, really fast with that group, even though they're still young. Yeah. Um, and and I also don't want to be have all my skill be based in in my four or five positions with with Giannis and and Chris Stapps. But um, but anyway, interesting interesting kind of stuff to ponder. Um, and and who knows, maybe you know, hey, Phil Jackson took a run at Greg Monroe a couple of years ago. No, you never know what 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 Phil Jackson is going to value in the modern NBA. Greg Monroe, maybe your ideal triangle big man. Yeah, gotta gotta, gotta sell him on that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would agree. I mean, I think those those teams in the top four, you know, Phoenix with the fourth pick. You know, if if the Knicks want to get Josh Jackson, um, and it sounds like 
like uh, Boston is increasingly not leaning towards Josh Jackson for whatever reason. Um, you know, because well, they could get one, more assets if they move down. Yeah, exactly. One of but one of those two, the, the Celtics with some kind of like third pick plus, you know, I don't know, Crowder, Avery Bradley throwing another. You know, I don't know if you'd want. I mean, again, how many picks do they have? They have a ton of them. So um, so that, that they just have so much ammunition. And then on the flip side, uh, Phoenix as well. Right. I mean, I, I don't think that, to be honest, I mean, I don't think Devin Booker's you know, going to be close to as valuable as Chris Stapps, just as from an all around, you know, yeah. value sense. But I don't think Phoenix would do number four and Booker. I think they probably value Booker too highly. Um, we did hear stuff about Chris and, and Bender probably possibly being in there, which, you know, is a no brainer, right? If you can get Chris Stapps, sure. Give up dragon Bender, right? I mean, he's, For sure. he's basically redundant at that point. So, so yeah, um, fun to think about what the bucks could potentially do, but um, ultimately, you know, I, I imagine that uh, if something happens, it'd be one of those those couple teams there in the top five. One thing I've been thinking about is if everyone is on is on the board other than Giannis, like I feel like the Bucks can make very good packages for things. Again, that means you probably have to give up Chris Middleton. But it, as far as trying to get stars and stuff like that, like if they're willing to put anyone on the board, um, I feel like they can create pretty good packages. The only problem is they don't have like a young up and coming star. And obviously I think that's, that's what most teams are looking for if they're going to trade a a very high quality player. So um, we'll see where that goes, but that's going to be it for us. Uh, The next time we'll talk to you is after the draft. Uh, We'll talk and try to talk through whatever insanity happens in the next 24 hours. And we'll talk through the bucks, two picks, one pick, zero picks, three picks, four picks, five picks, um, whatever, whatever it may be, we will talk about it. We'll break it down. Um, and we'll have it for you on Friday morning. So, uh, that's going to be it for today's locked on bucks. That was Frank men. I'm Eric name. We will talk to you tomorrow.